0: Welcome to In Conversation. I'm Diana Campos. In Conversation features Dean Michael Horswell and faculty from Florida Atlantic University's Dorothy F. Schmidt College of Arts and Letters, talking about research and creative activities that span the arts, humanities, and social sciences. Advances in media have created a new frontier in immersive storytelling through virtual reality. Dr. Joey Bargston combines digital art, film, video games, interactivity, music, and performances from actors to create the other, a maze. This VR experience examines social justice through documentary video shown in a 3D video game environment.
1: It is intended to give you these experiences that might be disorienting and also possibly more empathic and allow you to connect more with communities of people that you may not have encountered before.
0: Dr. Bargston, is an associate professor of interactive multimedia in the School of Communication and Multimedia Studies. In 2015, he wrote and produced his transmedia opera, Melancholaland, in Miami Beach. His most recent book, Experimental Media Voodoo, explains how he creates his hybrid or transmedia projects. He is Dean Horswell's guest for this edition of In Conversation. He sat down with Dean Horswell over a video call in December of 2020.
2: Good afternoon. I am pleased to have with me today Associate Professor Joey Barkston who is one of our professors in the School of Communication Multimedia Studies and specializes in interactive multimedia and is here to talk with us in conversation about his new project. So welcome, Professor Barkston.
1: Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for the opportunity.
2: So I always like to start with talking to our faculty about how they found their passion in their field, how they came to be professors in their different disciplines. And I was wondering, how did did you find this area of interactive media?
1: Well, I guess it's easiest to just uh, go back to My training uh, in college was all in music. So I studied uh, music education. I played the oboe and English horn, and I studied composition. So all of my degrees are in the world of composition. And as I left college and went into the world, I got more interested in things like visual design, creating video, film, and photography. And adding all of those media elements suddenly became much more of the direction that I seemed to be headed. So making video and making virtual reality, doing film and doing performances, all of that seems to be a way that I compose with different media. So I compose with virtual reality and with film and with video and with digital media and with obviously things like music and theater and performance. I would characterize what I do as convergence and Perhaps you would call it working in the world of transmedia, where I am combining digital art, film, video games, virtual reality, interactivity, music, performance, and and text. And all of that is a way of uh, kind of mixing the media in in large buckets. And one large bucket might be opera, which I, I created an opera in 2015. And another one might be a a VR experience, for instance, a video game experience. Having the opportunity to mix and combine and fuse all of those art forms. And that is sort of what I teach in a lot of my classes as well, to help students understand that, yes, you work with, with visual art or you work with music or you work with with dance or or text. But your, your job is to be sort of like a film director. You have all of these possibilities that you need to include. And maybe you have people that work with you, collaborators who will help you in particular aspects that you may not be particularly strong in. So for instance, in this VR project, I do use my grad students. They provide the, uh, the 3D model making, which I'm not too, too sharp on. And they do the coding, which has helped me out uh, immensely and helps me uh, realize possibilities that were not available to me as a, as an individual, but collaboratively, it is a, a wonderful way to involve a lot of other people. It makes the project so much richer and the experience so much deeper. That's fantastic.
2: It, it's incredible to me the, the, how many different disciplines you kind of name there that go into a project like this that we're going to discuss today in these virtual worlds that are becoming more and more common in, in our lives. And it's, it's exciting for me that in our college, we have professors like you and students who are creating these, these worlds through bringing these different disciplines together. I think we're gonna talk a little bit about your most recent project, which I know you are calling right now, The Other, A Maze 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 I'm wondering if you maybe you could just give
1: us a quick introduction to what what the project is so the other maze and I refer to it either as the other maze or by its initials TOAM or Tome this is an interactive virtual reality experience that takes the form of a fun and socially conscious video game and Participants in the game make their way through a really disorienting and surreal maze environment. It's partly surreal and it's partly very urban and gritty and maybe even post-apocalyptic. As you make your way through this disorienting maze, you may encounter and trigger Twitter tweets, overloads of Twitters. You may encounter service representatives from rather dehumanizing telephone bots. You might be bombarded by rampant commercialism, ads and products and everything kind of of coming at you in 3D space. And it gets overwhelming. And then as you push through, they... They recede and suddenly a hologram appears and the holograms are the guides, the others. And the others are members of often marginalized communities and they help you and they befriend you. They tell you about their particular frame of reference. They tell you about their culture and their their. Ability to deal with what's going on in in contemporary America, then you make your way through the maze and you you encounter more more distractions and more uh, others, more guides. So we have among the guides representatives of the of muslim americans we have uh, immigrants and refugees and we also have members of the lgbt community and young urban black men so we have a number of marginalized communities that that we represent that we we give voice to in the form of these these holograms and
2: we and i just interrupt and and so the the holograms that come up during the the game experience are they directly interacting with the the person playing the game or the person like if i'm playing the game Mm i want to see these holograms appear
1: and then i can interact with them
2: is that the way it works
1: for the first version, for this initial version, that that's uh, the interaction is is fairly limited. Mm-hmm. You, you trigger them, they appear, and they start telling you their stories and their their perspectives. So the the interaction is is rather limited at the moment. And to really make something truly interactive would require a lot of uh, artificial intelligence and pretty sophisticated programming that we currently don't have available to us. Mm -hmm. And maybe in future funding cycles, we'll be able to incorporate things like that. My understanding is that these others, these
2: uh, characters, if you will, that appear, were based on sort of an ethnographic aspect of your project, right? You actually took interviews of real people
1: and use those voices somehow. Is that right? Uh, that's right. Actually, the holograms are based on on either 360 video or HD video. So we have videotaped actors. They're speaking scripts that we developed or that actually my, my wife and collaborative partner, Thea Zimmer, uh, developed. And she was able to meld together I think a lot of contemporary concerns from each of these communities. And so the hologram appears in front of you and will address you and help you navigate through the maze. That is currently what the, what the holograms are doing. And this gave me an opportunity to really blend first person narrative documentary with elements of VR gameplay. So I was able to fuse those elements, I think, fairly effectively. I was using as a model or as a uh, ideal, uh, the notion that uh, VR could play the role of an ultimate empathy machine. And that phrase I get from the documentarian Chris Milk and you can do a google search for chris milk and listen to some of his ted talks about that he is very famous for creating uh, a number of vr experiences that he has shot all over the world with 360 video and uh, there is for instance a terrific 3d video or rather 360 video document Documentary that he created called "Clouds Over Sidra," uh, which shows some uh, Syrian refugi- refugees in their environment, and uh, it's a very compelling uh, form. So I, I hope that we have some connection here with the these holograms that are appearing in the game play uh, as you are triggering these. Very distracting and and uh, kind of overwhelming uh, visual and sonic events. And perhaps it is a way of making a comment on the contemporary society and the contemporary world of so much distraction and so much noise and how we have to tune that out in order to hear and in order to listen to to someone else. And the others, Then appear and they give us their experiences and and their perceptions,
2: and that's what creates the empathy. I assume no is is the idea is that we learn something from someone that maybe we've never had contact with, or a community that we have never had contact with or had limited contact with, and we end up having
1: a human experience in that interaction uh, in the game. Correct. Yes, and I think it's very important to develop that kind of empathy even though it's artificial we you know there's a hologram in front of you and you know you're in a 3d environment but it is still an immersive experience and i hope that some degree of of empathy or understanding results from this work Hmm. so joey
2: Who would you say is your target audience for someone that's going to hopefully enter your
1: game and experience it? So uh, young people mostly are my target audience, as they will likely feel the most affinity with video games, uh, 3D environments, and working with with virtual reality. Um, I think young people recognize the possibilities of this technology and I want to give them some material that perhaps pushes them to acknowledge there's other, other factors involved in an experience that might involve a, a social uh, encounter with someone and a, a way to create more of a human connection, even though obviously we are in a, a, a 3D environment so so it's mostly young people uh, adults of all ages should also enjoy the gameplay and the encounters with the with the holograms but i i am aiming for probably high school and slightly above mm-hmm. and is this
2: a kind of a game that would be accessible from an internet platform of some sort or How does that work these days?
1: Currently, we are looking at the game as sort of a conduit for community outreach. So we might, uh, once the game is in prototype form, schedule meetings at uh, community centers and high schools and galleries or concert halls, depending, of course, on where we are in this uh, pandemic crisis, right? We don't have the same possibilities perhaps right now, but that will also change, I'm sure. So once we have this kind of outreach part of the project, we will start thinking about how to create a larger audience. Uh, We'll use the outreach as a way of, again, additionally tweaking and improving uh, the the results of working with with a game like this, Uh, doing some beta testing actually on the people that we're we're trying to get involved with the gameplay. So ultimately, there are online forums for this. There's uh, Steam and there's Google Play and all these other platforms that will be able to disseminate a game like this. But that will be down the road a little bit.
2: Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned this is basically a virtual reality experience. Does that mean that the player has to wear the goggles that we've been seeing more and more of in
1: these virtual reality worlds? that's correct so right now the platform i'm working in is virtual reality so the the oculus rift headset blocks out your immediate view it's not like augmented reality where you you look through your phone or uh glasses or headsets that are transparent and allow you to look at the the world outside you so it's a completely self-contained world and it is uh, intended to give you these experiences that might be disorienting and also possibly more empathic and allow you to connect more with communities of people that you may not have encountered before or encountered uh, close up and personal in, in a virtual environment. Hmm. Out of curiosity, how long does the game actually last? If you through the whole maze I can do it in about five to eight minutes only because I know where to go and I know how to avoid the the distractions and all of that but like most video games it is intended to be cumulative, I think. So maybe you spend 30 minutes on it uh, the first time, maybe you maybe you come back to it and spend uh, another 30 minutes. And as you get to know the game and what it has to offer, you may spend more time there. So that is sort of my approach to working with, with interactive worlds and also working with with narrative worlds because we are used to having a narrative unfold over two hours in film but to kind of chop that into very small segments that these holograms are presenting and then interspersing that with the experience of walking around this maze and maybe triggering these these interactive experiences uh, there might be a game show there might be a place where you suddenly lift off the surface and kind of float above the maze for a little while and see how small you are in comparison to the maze and then you drop back down so there's a there's a lot of different activities that you will engage in and the main concern is to make it so compelling that you want to come back you may not have uh, you know 40 50 minutes to spend at one time maybe you spend 5 minutes and then you want to come back and learn more about these these others you want to learn more about how to work your way through the maze so that's really the intention, and it gives me a chance to try to meld both the the documentary form and the virtual reality form.
2: Yeah, that's really uh, clever, and and also uh, seems very groundbreaking to me. Bringing in you know the the documentary element, uh, sort of the ethnographic element to the to the project. So I'm wondering about a paradox that I'm trying to express here that it seems to happen in these new technologies. So you, you mentioned you were originally a musician, I started out being a musician and, and and played the oboe and other instruments and I assume in orchestras and for large uh, audiences. And I just wonder where we're going with art when this seems like a very individualistic experience at this point because of the headset. And I'm just—it seems paradoxical because your project is to bring people closer together in certain ways through empathy. Yet we're creating these worlds that are keeping us sort of individualistically apart, right? And during the game, I'm thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Versus say when you go to a concert and you're sitting in an auditorium with uh, several hundred other people and you're experiencing that that art sort of as a as a community together. Have you thought about that? And 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 what what it means for the future of art and the future of audiences and 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 really the connections that you always feel when you go to the theater or when you go to the music concert those connections that one when you experience as a communal experience
1: versus these kinds of um activities mm-hmm. uh that's a wonderful question and i think i can't answer that in in depth only because i don't know what, where we're going with all of this but i would i would i think take the uh, model of community that is already growing around virtual reality there's the the huge huge video game community and partly due to the ubiquity of video games and virtual reality. We have a different sense of community, I think. Uh, We don't necessarily have people in the flesh uh, in, in front of us, but we do still participate in a community. I did attend one of the Filmgate interactive conferences in Miami a year ago and that was a real eye-opener because there are ways to incorporate a lot of what you're talking about the the community aspect of of having shared experiences in vr so there might be eight or ten headsets that are hanging from the uh, ceiling and uh, you know eight or ten people go in and put on the headset and they may or may not see the other the other people in the field of view and that that sort of depends on how the uh, experience is uh, is created there are ways to to scale up the experience and the involvement uh, with an audience but there's also i think a need to think about each particular genre, each particular technology in its own terms. And what does it mean to have a community of VR explorers and authors and people working in in VR? Uh, One of the really terrific VR experiences from the FilmGate Interactive Conference was a, uh, a 360 narrative video that was uh, presented to one person at a time and there were two women who took you into this little tent they made you like sign your name and that would come back to you later in the form of a letter that was written to you from the character in the film and there was some really wonderful touches of making you uh, really, the center of that world and the center of that experience, and that's a, a, I think, a very special way to amplify this feeling of community and to integrate that with with other performing experiences. So there's a lot of way to go here, and a lot of different uh, directions that, that we can take.
2: Hmm. Well, it's fascinating, and and the the, the world that's being created by folks like you and your and your students I look forward to experiencing it for myself and what I'm really impressed with in the program in which you work here at FAU we have the MFA that students can take and work on these kinds of projects mm-hmm. but what seems kind of unique to me at least from what I know is your colleagues and yourself are very devoted to to keeping a social just this kind of focus uh, on the work. Uh, I, you know, I'm aware of other projects that are coming out of your labs that mm-hmm. also have similar kind of values um, and, and enveloped uh, around the project. And I'm wondering if you comment about that. Is that by, by design, so to speak, um, or is it a, a coincidence uh, just for mm-hmm. professors that are coming together, mm-hmm. or is it really the vision for your future program?
1: Okay, so the program we are referring to is our MFA in Media Technology and Entertainment. We've been doing that since 2011, and we are one of a number of projects or a number of programs uh, around the country that integrate art and technology and perhaps infusing this with a little more social justice and social issues and I think part of the reason we're doing that is because of the generosity of donors like uh, the Janky, uh, uh, Janky Funds, Walter and Lelia uh, Janky, who have made it their mission to create and support work that has both elements of Emerging technology and social justice, and and it's a really unique contribution that I'm I'm very grateful for. Uh, they have helped this particular project um, uh, with the the, the last um, uh, last funding cycle. So part of it is I I believe an intention, and that that I share with my colleagues that we want these these experiences these games these uh, interactions with different media to have a real meaning and to have a real purpose and that I think informs uh, everything that uh, that I do and I see that in my colleagues as well and I think they're also supporting that idea well it's wonderful and we
2: look forward to seeing the finished product, I think you mentioned to me it might be another year
1: or so of work to get it to the point where you're ready to let it out into the world, is that, is that right? We might have some events coming up, again, depending on how much we're going to be uh, interacting in, in person right. in the next next few months. But as soon as we have any kind of event for the, for the project, We'll certainly uh, send you an invite to, to experience that. Well, I'm sure our listeners
2: will want to keep track of that. And they are certainly encouraged to check out the website at the School of Communication and Multimedia Studies at Florida Atlantic University to keep track of this project and all the other exciting projects coming out of the group of faculty that uh, Professor Barkston um, belongs to in that school.
1: I want to thank you for joining me in conversation this afternoon. And I want to thank you again, Dean Horswell, for inviting me and uh, engaging in the conversation.
0: You've been listening to Dr. Joey Barkson and Dean Michael Horswell of FAU's Dorothy F. Schmidt College of Arts and Letters. In Conversation. The music you heard in our podcast opening was created by Dr. Bargston, titled Fake Music, the official soundtrack for The Other Amaze. In Conversation is a production of FAU School of Communication and Multimedia Studies. I'm Diana Campos. All of us thank you for listening. We invite you to join us for another edition of In Conversation listen for In Conversation on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.